Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. Welcome back. It's the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on this Wednesday, the 19th of May, 2021. Uh, all right. Now, pay attention because I'm about to make a connection here that um, I think I, I just I think you're going to be impressed. All right. The cicadas are coming. Um, Jim and I were walking in in our lower field a couple of nights ago, and he's like, aren't the cicadas supposed to be here by now? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they're not coming. And so, of course, I got researching and no, they're definitely still coming. Um, billions of them still coming, but it's been unseasonably cool. And so they're not here yet, but they're coming um, and they are going to awaken from their 17 years of slumber. And it will probably be rocking the news um, when the emergence occurs. And there's lots of articles um, available out there right now in terms of people preparing for the anxiety related to the experience of um, these uh, brood cicadas. So if you live in a part of the country where cicadas uh, are not going to show up, you are not going to experience, you know, a, 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 a plague of biblical locusts, um, or it's what it's going it's to feel like in some parts of the country. Um, then let me ask you a different question. What's bugging you today? What's bugging you today? Um, maybe what's bugging you today is something, you know, not like it's just, it's, it's bothersome. It's an irritant. It's, it's, but it's a gnat. Maybe what's bugging you today is a whole lot bigger than a gnat. It's like a swarm. Um, and it's a, it could be a deadly swarm. In fact, remember those, um, what were those? Hey, Paul, help me remember. What were those? Uh, mur- were they murder hornets? Murder hornets, right? yes. Do you yes. remember that? Wasn't mm-hmm. there like a scare of murder hornets last there, summer or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, in the Pacific Northwest. and it just Did that pan pe- out? Uh, it petered out. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. It petered exactly. out. It, it, it petered out. It didn't pan out. Okay. No. So um, here's, uh, here's what I bring to you this morning on the what's bugging you conversation. A lot of people um, seem to be bugged by conversations about money. And why is that? Why does it bug us so much for somebody to raise a, a conversation about money or stewardship or the economy of God or how upside down um, Jesus's math is a lot of times uh, and the way that he talks about poverty and our responsibility for the poor? Like, why does that bug us so much? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cicadas. There you go. There's my connection to the what's bugging you cicada emergence conversation. Maybe it's been 17 years since you've really taken a hard look at what the Bible says about economics. Well, hmm, maybe this is a year. All right, next up, I got Bill English. Uh, He comes to us from BibleandBusiness.com, and we are going to talk about advice and wisdom. Um, From whom do we seek advice? Who are the wise people from whom we should be receiving it? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Joining me now, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. If you were to go to the website right now, you would find a lead-off article on the heart of stewardship. And uh, if you uh, if you were to scroll down, you could find all the information about subscribing to BibleandBusiness.com and information about Bill's book as well, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. Bill, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Let's, By um, the way, let's, uh, yeah, what, what, what was you? bugging what was bugging me um, is that mm-hmm. I I've never had the cream of cicada soup before. <laughs> There's actually a recipe out there. I, for... I'm not making that. That's just, that's disgusting. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That's like the article about the guy who's 111 in Australia, and and they actually like ask him like, oh, to what do you attribute your longevity? And he's like, I eat a chicken brain every day. And I'm like, okay, dude, I, no. I don't. I don't want I don't want to live to 111 if that's what it takes. Like I'm so sorry. I'm not doing that. I'm not eating cream of caseta cuz whatever. I'm not doing that. Okay. Wisdom because right. because I feel like I am wise on these things. I'm not doing that. Let's talk about wisdom. Wisdom. Uh you know <laughs> Solomon in Proverbs six times connects the act of receiving advice and becoming wise. I'll read just a couple of verses here. You have them in your notes. Proverbs twelve fifteen: the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Uh, let's go to Proverbs thirteen ten, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. And I'll just do one more. Proverbs nineteen twenty: listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Now, um, during during the break, uh, one of the one of the pastors there said that uh, that faith is really understanding what God how God thinks about our situation. And I have always thought of wisdom as similar to that. Wisdom is being able to take all that the Bible says about my situation and applying it in a way that I follow God. And so, um, people who accept advice are wise. Now. Think about people who don't accept advice, right? Think about people who, um, and I, here I'm specifically thinking of a number of business owners who just, they just won't listen to anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not just business owners. It can be ministry leaders. It can be a husband or a wife. Those kind of people tend to not be wise, at least based on what the Bible says. Yeah, I think that, you know, when we're talking about accepting advice or counsel, Um, We want to choose carefully the people from whom we are um, receiving that counsel or taking that advice. So let's talk about choosing our counselors well or choosing our advisors. Um, What might be some characteristics that I would look for in the life of an individual that I was thinking, let's, you know, I want to I want to pick a, a financial advisor. Um, I want to pick a, a, a person to counsel me in relationship to my career or my choice of a spouse or, you know, on and on and on. What might be the characteristics that I would look for in the life of a person from whom I would be willing to take counsel? Yeah, I think a couple of them right off the bat. One is experience. The closer this person's experience is to the situation you're facing, and the more that they have successfully navigated that situation, probably the more likely it is that their um, advice is going to be sage or wise for you. It's going to be helpful to you, in other words. Uh, advice that comes from people who have never been in your shoes is it usually comes off as pretty hollow or plastic. 
and and usually you, you tend to not follow it. Uh, the other one is um, thoughtful. Good advice is not given flippantly. These are thoughtful people who think through what they're going to advise you about. And sometimes, and really the more important decisions, they might take days or weeks before they give you their advice. Um, so you want to have somebody who is thoughtful, <clears throat> who knows how to bathe their advice in prayer and knows, uh, knows really the right time and the right attitude uh, to give you that thoughtful advice in. Um, go ahead. No, I, um, you know me, I'm always multitasking. And so we have a listener who is trying to convince me that that man in Australia is actually pulling our leg because chickens don't have brains. And so then I had to Google that. And in fact, <laughs> chickens do have brains and they're actually very complex. A chicken brain consists of two halves known as hemispheres. Anyway, I, I know it's bad, Bill. I, I know I'm, I'm like a rabbit. I am distracted by many things. I'm so sorry. You are such a naturally curious person. I know. You, I completely you really are. But but let me just <laughs> confess that I did completely lose track of our conversation. That's so all right. Where where are you on our list of um well, uh the things that uh we're <laughs> going to look for, the characteristics we're going to look for in a person to give us good advice? Uh you know, I I uh, I briefly mentioned experience and thoughtfulness, right timing, right attitude. There's two others. The advice should be encouraging. Encouraging is the fifth mm. one. A proper encouragement helps a person face the difficult situation and gives her courage uh, to move forward. And then the last one, and this is really important, they should not have a hidden agenda. In other words, they should not have a conflict of interest. Uh, and this is where you mentioned financial advisors earlier. It's usually helpful to work with financial advisors who just charge by the hour, and they mm. don't necessarily have a dog in the race as to which um, – which uh, um, products or investments that you choose to purchase doesn't mean they can't sell them, <clears throat> but you know the, the the advice should come from a place of of neutrality. So no hidden agenda. Good advice is focused on helping the other person achieve their agenda. And call has no conflicts of interest or hidden agenda. So uh, you know when I was reading when I was writing this part of my book, I was asking God, what are the, what are the characteristics of the person, not the characteristics of the advice? We have that in James five, but the characteristic of the person, and these were the six things that the Lord brought to my mind. So I like that, um, the the question related to my financial advisor, like, right, it should be a fee-for-service kind of thing. Like, I just am going to straight up pay for an an hourly amount of counsel or um, or something like that. I think that we had a conversation recently about doctors and just, like, literally asking your doctor, who pays you? I mean, because then you find out who your doctor works for, and then you find out um, maybe why your doctor is willing or unwilling to prescribe certain things order certain tests, um, diagnose certain um, issues, uh, or want to, you know, have you have certain surgeries in certain hospitals. I mean, like it, asking the question, who do you work for? Like who actually pays you is, is super helpful when we're taking even the counsel of somebody who is, you know, has, <clears throat> has, has MD after their name. So I think that that is really helpful, uh, helpful counsel, Bill. Let's take a very <laughs> brief break. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going to say that is the Mayo Clinic model. All the doctors at Mayo Clinic are paid on a salary, regardless of how many patients they see. Mm -hmm. And that way they don't have any uh, turf issues about who else they bring into the situation because their compensation is not tied to the insurance billing. Yeah, that's really so that's good. How are you compensated? Yeah. Super so. good question. Okay. Yeah. Hey, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, I want to talk about vaccines and intellectual 
property. Um, so this is a, a, a business conversation, but it actually does affect all of us and our health. So that conversation is up next with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. We have been talking to this point about his most excellent book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. You can find what we're talking about today at BibleandBusiness.com. We'll be right back. All right, Bill English is here from BibleandBusiness.com. Bill, let's talk about vaccines. A couple of storylines here to pull apart. One is related to drug companies um, and intellectual property. And another is the conversation about employers requiring um, that their employees be vaccinated um, in order to return to work um, or work in certain environments. Talk with us about what's going on in the culture, in the work environment related to vaccines. Yeah, so first of all, the Biden administration has come out supporting the waiving of the intellectual property protections for the coronavirus vaccinations. In other words, he wants to take the intellectual property that the drug companies own and make it available to uh, everyone in the hopes that the that the uh, drug or that the vaccine can be um, better and more frequently um, developed, made, manufactured, whatever it is you want to say, in order to uh, help the developing countries become vaccinated more quickly. Um, this is this type of vaccine uh, is called an RMA. It's a it's a I, I'm, look. I'm not a biology guy, right? But apparently, it's a different way of doing vaccines, and it's been under research by a number of different drug companies for 20 to 25 years. We just happen to have that technology at the right time, maybe some would say providentially, in order to face this COVID um, virus. Uh, That technology was applied to the vaccine for COVID, and it works, right? And praise God that it does. And so uh, what Biden wants to do is take all that research, all the money that these uh, folks have, have dumped into it, and just basically steal it from the uh, drug companies and make it available. I think this sets an incredibly dangerous precedent for the government to enforce. It is um, waiving intellectual property protections, sends a signal to um, the marketplace that eminent domain, which we normally think of as you know taking land to build a, a highway, for example, can now be applied to intellectual property. Um, that it's it's going to signal to business that you better not be too successful in what you develop or put too much money into it, because if you do and you're wildly successful, the government may just take it from you. And uh, and that really squelches the whole profit motive. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I think this is really dangerous for our public-private ventures. Oh, completely. No, I think there's no question about that. So, yeah, thank you for uh, for digging around in that a little bit. Now, let's let's pivot to the one that you know, might actually be like personally affecting people who are listening right now. Delta is now requiring new employees to be COVID vaccinated. Um, and, and and maybe this won't be the end. Maybe this is just the beginning. There are school districts under discussion about not allowing students to return to in-person school in the fall if they can't prove they've been vaccinated. I mean, a, a requirement of vaccination related to COVID um, is certainly going to be a hot topic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. I, I actually learned about this. I had a flight down and back to Chicago from Minneapolis on Monday, and that was when I learned that Delta is requiring all new employees to be COVID vaccinated. Look, I think 
I think schools require students to come in to be vaccinated. You're going to find a lot of colleges in the fall will say you can't come and be on our campus if you're not COVID vaccinated. To me, this is going to have tentacles for the foreseeable future into how we integrate healthcare into our workplace. It would not surprise me, Carmen, if in the next um, zero to five years, if we see a wave of companies across all kinds of verticals, both small and large, just start to say, you know, you need to show proof of a certain matrix of vaccinations, flu, COVID, uh, maybe rubella, mumps, you know, typhoid, you know, whatever it's going to be. And uh, and you're not going to be able to work here if you don't have these vaccinations. The problem is getting vaccinated and showing proof of that is revealing HIPAA-protected information. And so <clears throat> can companies require uh, new employees to produce HIPAA-protected information? And uh, who wants to be the first company that takes on the lawsuit with the unions mm-hmm. and with uh, with other people? Uh, I, I'm good friends with uh, somebody who's um, pretty high up in one of the main healthcare systems here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and that was his his point. He thinks that we should go to having a required matrix of vaccinations for all employees, but his company doesn't want to be the first because they're the ones who are going to get sued, and, and they frankly don't want to do that, and they don't have the money to defend themselves. So it's it's a it's a dicey thing what would be best here is if we're going to go down that road that some government agency just mandate it and then everybody would have to get in line all right so experts are already weighing in on this conversation about um hipaa violations and i think that um that is a robust uh conversation to to be having um and an inquiry for us to to consider right i mean we would certainly yeah. You know, I mean, HIPAA, the, the privacy rules for HIPAA are designed to ensure that my health information and individual's health information is actually properly protected um, while allowing for, like, the appropriate flow of health information. And I think that what, you know, the conversation is going to be in communities and across the country and in businesses, is there some sort of public health, like, legitimate um, public health interest in everyone knowing that an individual is either vaccinated or not vaccinated. And and I think we're already entering that conversation. If only one third of the American population is actually fully vaccinated, like, you know, two doses plus two weeks. And yet once the CDC, you know, said fully vaccinated individuals don't need to wear masks, suddenly 100 percent of the people aren't wearing masks. And so obviously, you know, <laughs> well, not, but that's but there's, not true of everybody. It's, much like it's a challenge, right? I just think it's a challenging it conversation. It's a challenging time because not everybody's going to be vaccinated. And I get that. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll so. add one more thing here, Carmen. Uh, companies yep. are required to, to provide a safe work environment for their mm. employees. Okay. And so if you're a company and and you have unvaccinated people running around with vaccinated people and you and you are not because of HIPAA, you're not you're not allowed to require them to wear masks or to produce anything, you know, that says, you know, I'm I'm not going to get vaccinated. Um, then how are you going to provide a, a safe work environment for for your employees? So there are different parts of the law that are going to come into conflict here and we're going to have to have lawsuits and the courts are going to have to have to uh, um, resolve this. What, what we're considering at my company is a declination. Uh, if you don't have to get vaccinated, that's when this will only be after the emergency youth authorization is pulled. But um, 
but you don't have to get vaccinated. But if you choose not to, then you have to sign a waiver to the company absolving the company of liability uh, to provide a safe working environment. So in case you contract COVID from somebody else who isn't vaccinated, uh, that is not the company's fault. Uh, I, I, th- I think you'll see more of these declinations coming up as well. Interesting. All right. It's always fascinating to talk with you. We totally appreciate your perspective, your wisdom, your insight. Um, you guys ought to check out what Bill is writing today at BibleAndBusiness.com. We'll be right back. A lot of us, when we uh, are asked, hey, how you doing? We say, oh, I'm okay. Or when we ask someone else, uh, hey, how you doing? They say, oh, you know, I'm okay. Are you really okay? We're going to get real about uh, who you are and how you're doing and why it matters. Deborah Fletta joins me next with her brand new book. Are you really okay? We'll be right back. Why do you notice the little piece of dust in your friend's eye, but you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye? This is Max Locato. Anyone who thinks Jesus never cracked a joke hasn't read these words from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus envisioned a fella who has a two-by-four sticking out of his eye. He doesn't see the log in his own eye, but can't help but notice a man who stands across the street dabbing his eye with a tissue. He declares, don't you know that if you get something in your eye, it can be harmful? On target, yes sirree, Bob. We have eagle eye vision when it comes to others, but we can be blind as moles when we examine ourselves. So, if you want to change the world, begin with yourself. This is Max Lakato, and this is How Happiness Happens. Deborah Faleta, um, she is a licensed professional counselor. She's the host of the Love and Relationships podcast, which is wildly popular. She's also the author of a number of a book, a number of books. She's talking with us today about her brand new book. Are you really okay? Getting real about who you are and how you're doing and why it matters. Deborah, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so. A lot of folks respond to, you know, the question, um, you know, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And they just respond with, okay. Now, I have listeners who've already chimed in, offering all the ways that um, that they respond instead, you know, making reference to how blessed they are. And um, talk with us about our tendency to brush off the question about how we're doing um, yes. and why you think we do that. You know, probably for multiple reasons, but the truth is we live in a culture today that is just so superficial thanks to social media. We're used Mm -hmm. to painting this picture-perfect image of ourselves, you know, and we kind of stay in that superficial zone. Not only that, I think as Christians in the capital C church, we have a tendency to feel like it's wrong to confess that we're struggling, like we have to paint this positive face all the time when really we're neglecting or ignoring the things that are really going on underneath the surface. And I always say we think we're okay until we're not. 
and, and, and things go wrong in our life or we struggle with anxiety or depression or burnout. And, and in partly because we've never addressed the things that we should have addressed long ago. Okay. So let's stop right there and let's say, um, that sounds hard. Like dealing with, right? That sounds hard. Dealing with yeah. stuff that I should have dealt with a long time ago requires me to stop right now um, and to do something really intentional that is going to be really uncomfortable, but that is going to result in me being more than okay at, on the other side yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to realize that just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're healthy. When we look at scripture, Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That represents our emotional health, our spiritual health, our mental health, and our physical health. And I think as Christians, we have a tendency to get stuck on spiritual health, which is really important but at the neglect of all of the other areas of health, our emotional health, our mental health, even our physical health, you know? And so this is a call to really stop what we're doing and, and do a, a checkup, take inventory, do an assessment of how we're actually doing. And, and yeah, sometimes that process can be difficult, especially if we've never done it before, you know? There's so many layers to who we are. But the thing is, human beings are kind of like a volcano. We've got all these emotions building underneath the surface, Carmen. And if we don't identify those emotions and express them in a healthy way, just like a volcano, the pressure will build up and they will find the point of least resistance. And we'll go through what I call an emotional explosion. For different people, that looks different. For some people, that looks like a panic attack. For others, it looks like relationship problems, or maybe an addiction they're struggling with and they can't kick, or maybe anger and rage. But the key for us is really getting honest with how we're doing, with where we are, with what we need God to heal in our lives and in our minds. One of the things that um, that you talk about in this book, um, and again, I am talking with Deborah Falada, um, and we're talking about her brand new book, Are You Really Okay? Um, you, you talk in here about my relationships being only as healthy as I am. Um, yeah. That yeah, is absolutely. a really clarifying statement. Mm, I'm so glad to hear it because, you know, human beings are kind of like magnets, we attract and engage with people based on our personal level of health. And I think it's so much easier to look at the relationship as the problem. You know, I'm a licensed counselor, so I'm always working with couples, with people who come in with relationship issues, whether it be with family or friends. And the big question is, how do I fix this relationship? You know, that's always where, where we want to start. But really, we've got to step back and ask ourselves, okay, what do I need to do to change in this situation? What is my role here? Because we'll engage in relationships based on our level of health. So if we're not emotionally healthy, that's going to shine through in everything that we say and do. And it impacts our relationships. So it's a really big piece to the puzzle of having healthy relationships because we're a huge part of the equation. Hmm. Um, I think that uh, it's liberating um, to know, or maybe it's consoling to know, 
that no one is immune from mental health struggles. Um, mental health professionals are not immune. Christians are not immune. Talk, talk with us about the reality that every single person um, needs this kind of self-examination and this intentional interaction, like, right, with our yeah. with ourself in order to be, you know, be the healthy people who God is really has created and redeemed us to be. Mm, that's so such a good point. And, you know, I found that people respond to the title of this book in two ways. Are you really okay? You know, some people embrace that question and say, oh man, I really need to get to the bottom of how I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing well or I'm not doing well. Other people are sort of repelled by the question because they automatically assume, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. But truly in Christ, we always need the next layer of healing. The process of sanctification, God is always working on us, working on making us more like him. And none of us are immune to these struggles. Even I, as a mental health licensed counselor, went through my own dark time of anxiety and depression. Therapists aren't immune, like doctors aren't immune to getting sick. And, mm -hmm. and so we've got to really get in tune with that, get in tune with our humanity and start asking the hard questions. Because if we don't, we will eventually find ourselves at a point where we're not okay. So in a sense, some of this is not just work for those who are struggling, but for those of us who are not yet at a point of struggle, it's what I call preventative maintenance, staying on top of it before we get to a place where we're not doing okay. Talking with Deborah Faleta, we're talking about her brand new book um, and and asking, you know, this very provocative and important question. Are you really OK? Um, the book helps you understand and express emotions in healthy and helpful ways. It also provides a really honest assessment of of where we're at and then, you know, helps us to pursue help where it's needed and prioritize um, well-being right? In every aspect of life. So we're going to continue this conversation with Deborah in just a moment. Maybe it's okay if I'm not okay. In a world of uh, Instagram and social media, it is easy for us to act like or pretend like we are uh, doing okay when we're really not. Deborah Faleta takes down the facade. Uh, this is a book that walks us through four key components um, where we need to, you know, take an inventory, see how healthy we really are, and then get really healthy uh, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Um, so, Deborah, thank you again for the conversation and thank you for the book, Are You Really Okay? Um, so often uh, I experience people who want to change the world but they don't they really aren't interested in in changing themselves or allowing themselves to be changed. Yeah, it's so true. I recently wrote a post on Instagram that said if you want to change the world, start by looking in, start by changing yourself, you know. We have such a role in getting healthy. And I think sometimes we tend to play a passive part in the process. We assume that just because we're Christians means we're healthy, but that's not the full truth. 
I mean, when we get saved, when we come to Jesus, he saves our soul. But there's so many other parts of us that we still need to align to who he is. When we, when we come to Jesus, our cholesterol levels don't automatically bounce back to where they need to be. Our blood pressure doesn't automatically go back to what it needs to be. You know, all these physical things. But we make the assumption that our emotional health and our mental health are going to be just right. And sometimes we make the assumption that maybe just time alone is going to heal some of the wounds that we're carrying. But time alone doesn't heal those wounds. In fact, some wounds, especially emotional wounds, when left with time, will only get infected more. And so it's important for us to see our role in partnering with God in the process of becoming healthy, you know, removing layer by layer, becoming more like Jesus along the way. This is an intentional process, Carmen. Yeah, one degree of glory to another, layer by layer, um, actively participating, submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit, um, bringing us into greater conformity with who Christ is and who God, you know, has designed and redeemed us to be. I think those are those all resonate with us spiritually. But this is not just about getting spiritually healthy. Um, that is, I think, the big news in this. This is about getting yeah. mentally healthy. This is about getting emotionally right. healthy. This is about getting physically healthy. Talk about mental, spiritual, emotional, physical health. Uh, talk about you know the the necessity of all of them and each of them. Yeah, they all work together. You know, Jesus tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. One of my favorite things and, and something I found very necessary when I wrote this book is to do a five-minute checkup at the end of each chapter. We we go to the doctor on a regular basis to get physical checkups, right? Our annuals, even though we don't really want to go, but we do it. We put it in our schedule. But how often do we stop and check up on how we're doing emotionally and mentally? You know, how often do we really take the time to dig deep and figure out how we're doing from the inside out? I think this is an important part of the process because all of these things work together. When we're weak in one of those areas, it impacts all the rest. I have seen people who are spiritual enough, but they're lacking in emotional health or lacking in mental health. I mean, we've seen leaders fall from the height of ministry over the past few years, and it's not because of lack of spirituality. I truly believe it's because of a neglected emotional and mental health, areas that we just assume are going to be fine without doing the work. And for some of us, that requires therapy. For some of us, that might even require medication at different seasons in our life when we're battling with severe mental health illnesses, whatever that is, there is a next step for us. And I am hoping in this book, my, my goal is to lay out a practical plan, activities for you to do from making a timeline to identify the things that have shaped you in your life, to making a genogram, to identify the family patterns the unhealthy patterns that may have been passed down to you. It's not one of those books you just read. It's something you actually have to interact with in the process of getting healthy from the inside out. So I'm noting that if I go to um, christianbook.com, uh, I can actually get the book for a reduced price today. Looks like it's like 50% off. You're right, okay. Carmen. And here's, right. so here's, it, here's, yeah, here's you something have to else use, exciting. Look, do I use the term cyber? Is that how I get my 50% off? That's what it looks like. 
Well, go ahead. I know for sure that they've offered a code. If you type in my last name, Fileta, F-I-L-E-T-A, you get 50% off automatically. And that might, I'm not sure if that applies with the current sale, but it's worth a try. Absolutely. Okay. So that's cool. I love that. Um, All right. um, Because I'm, um, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do the book uh, now that you've sort of teed it up this way. I think I'm going to like do it with my sister. Like, I think it would be good for us to do together because there are things that you cover in here that do, that might require someone else who walked with me during that portion of life to, you know, sort of help me recall and remember what it was like. Because my, my remembrance of, you know, let's say the week our dad died when we were teenagers, my remembrance of that is probably different than hers. And she may have some, some thoughts about that, that actually help move me forward on some things and I might be able to do likewise. Um, I also uh, felt like one of the really helpful things that you point out is that there are these, um, there can be these like indicators, these external indicators in much the same way that if I'm physically sick, there are indicators of that, right? Or if I'm just not feeling good or I've had toothache or whatever, there's some physical indicators, but there are these relational indicators as well that should lead me to say, you know what, maybe everyone else is not the problem. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe there's something going on with me. Um, and I think that there are, you know, there are financial indicators sometimes that are like, you know, obviously I'm having a really un- unhealthy relationship with fill in the blank. If you're spending, if you're overspending in an area and you're doing right. so with no control, it's probably an area that is completely out of balance and unhealthy in your life. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's entertainment. Maybe it's pornography. Like if you're spending, you're overspending Uh, You're spending it all in some of those areas. But if you're overspending in some of those areas, like that can be a good indicator that a checkup is necessary, a realignment is necessary. um, And, you know, the self-examination process that you lead us through in every area of life, I think, is um, it's just so helpful. I just genuinely appreciate it. A hundred percent. Everything you just said. I mean, if you find that you're stuck in an area you know, you can't stop doing blank. You find that you're more irritable with people, more frustrated quickly. You don't have energy and motivation like you used to have. These are signs and symptoms. There's so many others that I that I write about, but these are just some signs and symptoms. Like you said, it's time to stop and do a checkup to mm-hmm. see what is at the root of this and how can I how can I overcome this? How can I do the work that it takes to come out on the other side? I um, so appreciate it. All right, Deborah Faleda is who you are looking for. Um, where's the best place to find you and get your podcast and the book and everything? Is there like one stop, you know, one stop find Deborah? Yeah, I'm going to point them to the the book website where you can find me, more information about me and the podcast. It's called areyoureallyokay.com. Oh, that's so simple. All right. Are you really okay.com. That's where you want to go today and check out all the resources that are available. You can listen to the podcast. You can find the book. Uh, you can check in with Deborah. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right, let's, uh, as one listener has texted in, do not give the enemy a seat at your table or a foothold in your life. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, as always, for um, the encouragement that uh, that you guys give me each and every day. Where in the Word are you today? Let us be people who are in the Word of God, uh, allowing the Word to do its work in our lives. Um, 
and you know before and as a way of being equipped to get out there into the world that God so loves um, let us do so always in ways that honor Jesus all right I don't know about you I have a very full day today want to be honoring the Lord in every part of it I'll be praying for you you be praying for me um, as we enter the world as living demonstrations of the gospel people who are representing Christ to the world that he so loves, people who are um, the very ambassadors of the king and the kingdom. So have the kingdom principles in, uh, in the front of your mind today as you engage not only the headlines of the day, but every conversation, you know, recognizing that it's our role and responsibility to bring God into the conversations of the day. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.